Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good evening, afternoon, morning, wherever, whenever you are listening. I'm John Vogel. Welcome into the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. Breaking down defensive tackles, interior defensive linemen today. Got a lot of different guys to get into. A lot of different types of players we can get into as well. Now, I hope you remember last week. If you didn't watch last week, go back and look at the text because we're going to be talking about that if you're not already familiar with them. So with that being said, Shane in the studio, let's hit it. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. The first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. The sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. Sick, sick, sick. Welcome back in. Make sure that you follow the show on Twitter at Draft. Make sure that you follow me at, at DraftFogel. And my co-host we're bringing in right now, Justin Gamble. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Gam Scout. Justin, got the coffee just like me. It's yes, been sir. a long day. We're rolling. What did what did you, how much tape have you watched the last few weeks? Just to start things off with a boom question. A lot, a lot of uh, a lot of NFL tape. Mm-hmm. A lot of college games. College was wild last weekend. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, I no, I've it. watched. I've just been watching football nonstop, man. Trying to get as much as I can. And I feel motivated again. You know, it's that mm-hmm. part of the year where it's all kind of coming together, and uh, the players are revealing themselves. The teams are kind of revealing themselves. So. It's gotten more fun, and I feel pretty. I feel pretty good about um, kind of what we're doing here at the podcast, and um, you know, talking about the guys we're talking about, and it's it's just good to be back in it. So, yeah, I think I think we're about a week, like we're about a month into the season now. <clears throat> so next week, we're probably. I know that we still have offensive line to get through and stuff, but I think what we're going to start kind of shifting is our focus onto the draft upcoming and some of the prospects. You know, the guys that are starting to pop because we've got a whole month now of tape that we can start to talk about. And that's the thing I think that a lot of draft podcasts kind of make the mistake of is they spend so much time talking about the players and stuff, which and not how we find them, which is why I wanted to focus right. all that through each position. But and then when the season starts, they're jumping on one week performances. Oh, blah, 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 blah. This guy, he's a first round pick. And then he goes out and he, you know, shits the bed the rest of the year. So. Right. I think a month in is a probably a good time to start shifting that focus, but we're going to go ahead and wrap up the defensive line today. Uh, you did want to start with some hot takes, which you're really good at, by the way. Now, two-time two time appearance, I think, on 
frozen cold takes, correct? Is it just twice? I think it's just twice. It was That's... I know the Davis Webb, and then there was another one. I can't remember what it was, but I remember uh, roasting yeah. you about like two years ago. I think yeah, I had the Davis Webb tweet in twenty sixteen and I don't remember what the other one was, but it was probably pretty solid. It, pretty good. Probably. It, it pretty was good. good. I can't remember. Myself. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember going, Yeah, Justin, you you moron. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if, if I'm if I make it on that only twice in my lifetime, well, up to this point, I mean I'm doing something good, bro. Like the you, other you, day I'm you've held out, yeah. Get this. The other day I'm working. I'm at work and I'm uh uh I'm helping the guys in the warehouse at a wine liquor distribution place, and I'm helping some of the guys that do the pulling. Anyway. I hear a song and I'm like, bro, what a banger. Like, I'm going to Shazam this song on my phone. Oh, no. So I, I turn on Shazam and I'm like, the song paused. Are you kidding me? So I look down at my phone. I'm like, oh, it's my Spotify. It's right here. I'm like, dude, you're an idiot, bro. Like, I don't know how sometimes I make it through a day, but it's just a wake up call, you know? So if Frozen Cold Take gets me twice, dude, I'm killing it. I'm killing it. Yeah, that's I fair. And I mean, we, we're not going to get into your music takes after your whole Taylor Swift thing. So uh, we're going to try to avoid all of that. Doing the bangers do. and stuff. You gotta say, bro. <laughs> that's why you're. That's the real reason you're sporting the mustache because Travis Kelsey's doing it. I I'm, it. Yeah, I'm hoping to have a shot with Taylor, but yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna let you go first. I got two hot takes. Okay. I don't know about you, but you go ahead and start with your first. I got two. And, I got two and a half hot takes. One of them is just kind of a, a prophecy thing. The other okay. two are just things that I think right now. And these are right now, like these could change for our listeners. Like this is how it is. It's a fluid thing. Like evaluation is fluid. The season is long, but you know, we go up and down throughout. And this is um, just something I see right now. And it is that Spencer Rattler quarterback, from South Carolina transfer from Oklahoma. He is firmly in the quarterback three conversation. Firmly. I think that Caleb Williams is probably head and shoulders. Number one, head and shoulders above the rest. I think Drake may is number two. Um, I think we thought coming into the year that gap could close, and I think it's kind of gone the opposite. I think Caleb's kind of moved himself ahead, and Drake has kind of stayed where he's at. Great player, probably going to be the second or third overall pick, whatever. But I think Rattler has put himself in the combo to say, you know, him, J.J. McCarthy, Shadur Sanders, Michael P- Penix. Uh, I don't understand Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers just yet, but people have him in there. I think Spencer Rattler is right there. The way he ended last season, uh, the Clemson, the Tennessee games, the way he looked this season against uh, North Carolina. I mean, under pressure, under fire all game. He's cleaned up Seven his sacks. mistakes. Yeah, I mean, he is – you can clearly tell he's become a better teammate, a better quarterback, a better field general, a better decision maker. Um, he still has all the arm talent in the world. He has great mobility. The accuracy is amazing. He throws outside the numbers, and he does it, you know, impressively. It's These aren't floaters. Like, he's a he's a quarterback. I think that he's probably shaken off a lot of his early immaturities from, you know, the QB one days on Netflix and what he was like at Oklahoma. It looks like he's a completely different quarterback and human. And I think right now it's not not crazy at all to say that he could end up in the first round and he could be quarterback three behind May and Williams. Yeah. So remember back in the second quarterbacks episode when I said that about May, I mean, I mean, about Lincoln Riley quarterbacks and I said, yes. These first few games is going to be a really good indicator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a hot take with the rest of draft media because nobody likes Spencer Rattler. There's already this sort of bias against him. I think because he did that show and he came across the way that he did in that show and then also his time at Oklahoma. But no, I think that you're right. I think that he has seen that. I've seen a lot of people, you know, in 
the NFL like circle, I guess you could say, you know, like the Shrine Bowl director, Senior Bowl director, Galco, Nagy, they both talked about Rattler this year and the steps that he's taken forward. So it's probably a hot take with the rest of draft media, but it's not entirely a hot take, if that makes sense. Not on not on this show, you know, because I think it's <laughs> I think it's actually kind of is resonating. Yeah, yeah, it is. And just just for people out there, if you look at the last two weeks, two weeks in a row, he's had more touchdown passes than incompletions two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. which crazy. is, I mean, it's crazy. One week was Furman. I forget who it was last week, but one it was SEC last week. But either way, the kid ball. Mississippi so. State. Yeah. Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. That's who it was. That's who it was. Yep. It was like, that was a dog fight. So my first hot take, and this is going to go into the episode, and I'm going to explain this in the episode once we get into talking about the player types and stuff. Florida Atlantic's. Evan Anderson is a true two gap zero tech and should be a day two pick. Not a guy that I've seen yet. Mm-hmm. So I can't contribute that much to this one, buddy. No. So Evan popped at me when I was, I was sent to go look at other guys, like some centers and stuff. And uh, especially in the conference USA, Florida Atlantic just left conference USA and joined the American, I think. So, they're in the American Conference this year. A little bit of a step up in the competition for them, which is good. Or the Sun Belt, whichever one they're in. I can't remember which one they ended up going to off the top of my head right now. But uh, last year, I saw him against some pretty good centers, and he's controlling the A-gaps as a single player at 355 pounds. So remember remember uh, Siaki Ika last year out of Baylor? Yep, transfer from LSU, I believe. Think like yes. him, but but I think he's a little bit better. Uh, so my hot take is that he should be a day two pick because he is a true two gap zero tech. I'm going to talk way more about what that means later in the episode. If you don't know what that means. Uh, so that's my first hot take. Is he, can I, do you know, did he go to high school in Florida? Great question. I can find that for you. I want to know. I haven't seen him. Is he a Florida boy? I mean, I have a report. A lot of these guys blossom late. Their bodies grow late, but you know, they grow. He's always been this big. Yeah. He's always been this big. Okay. Uh, yeah, Jones. Jones High in Orlando. Is he? Uh, would you say he's a lot like maybe like Travis Jones from UConn from the Jordan Davis class? Like, or, or is he more? No, like no, a, no, no. He's he's really just a true zero. He's a true zero. Okay. Yeah. So head like on the that. center. Go. Yeah. He can play both ways. He's got a little bit of movement ability for being three hundred fifty five pounds. He's six two. So big dog. You know. Yeah. He he is a dog. He's a lot of fun to watch. Okay. So. That's what I look to at start it. with. There's an, there's an early name for everybody to check out. Okay, cool, man. Don't do don't give your half hot take. Go with your full one. Okay, let's do. Uh, okay, so this is this is where we're gonna piss some people off. Uh, okay. I got a text the other day, and uh, it was from a fellow evaluator. Um, I won't name him, so he's you know out of the firing range. Uh, but he said Marvin Harrison Jr. is smooth. He's polished. I just don't see the big time above the rim ability consistently. And I don't see the most explosive guy consistently. He said, it's nothing against him, but what's to say that he's super untouchable as the wide receiver one. So I kind of let that resonate with me for a second. And I'm looking and I felt that way for a few weeks as just far as nothing against Marvin Harrison jr. He's an extremely clean prospect. Yeah. Super, super dynamic in a lot of ways. But then I'm watching Romo Dunn's, from Washington. I'm watching Keon mm. Coleman uh, transfer from Michigan State to Florida State, who made the was, huge catch. And, was on my all-underrated team? Yes. Coming in the year. Then I'm watching Malik Neighbors at uh, LSU, who's only 6 feet, 200, 
But mm-hmm. what's to say that's not big enough to be the wide receiver one, right? So we see all these guys, and I'm like, okay, let's just pretend for a second. Lay out a scenario. O'Dunn's and Coleman both are 6'3", 6'4". Both can fly. Both can catch well outside their catch, you know, make catches well outside their body. Huge catch radius. Both have shown to be dynamic with the ball in their hands. Then you have Malik Neighbors, who's about Jamar Chase's size, mm-hmm. who we've seen be – he's an absolute burner. I mean, he can get downfield. He's amazing after the catch. He's an amazing separator. I think you're looking at like a DJ Moore type clone ish player here, just off the early views. That's kind of what you're looking at. Okay. What's to say? Let's just say all three of these guys, for instance, or two of them, or even one, runs a lot faster than Marvin Harrison Jr. Tests a lot better than him. Just does things that are, you know, it that, that are no longer subjectively better. They're just doing these and they're putting you know a number on paper or something that is better. What's to say he's so untouchable? Is his game? that outrageously miles ahead of the other guys where he is absolutely wide receiver one locked in or can he be touched can he be dethroned like i said i don't think it's anything against him i just think some other guys can ball like some of these other guys are freaking sick and i think that it's kind of you know ill-advised we've done this with prospects every single year where it's like don't evaluate that guy because then you might piss some people off just talk about everyone else and this guy has to stay at the top you know like why we did that with Kayvon thibodeau and sure enough, he's not even the first edge taken his year. He's like the what was he the third? It, so it's just behind uh, Walker and Hutchinson. Yeah, so I'm like it's just a little stupid sometimes when we say don't evaluate a player. It's fine if we evaluate him and he ends up the top guy. Still cool, but I think it's worth just being open minded. That way, we're not like, well, these other three guys are really really good, but they can't be as good as you know this person because we said he couldn't. So make sure you leave him behind. Well, that's not how this works. Yeah. So the, yeah, the toughest thing in this in this on the media side of the draft is the fact that there is a lot of groupthink, and groupthink is mindlessness. You know, so when we're looking at football players, one of the biggest things when you're evaluating guys for their talent, seeing who who is really good, uh, is to be mindful. You know, and there's so many different things to be mindful as you're looking at so many different factors that you can take in to come up with this evaluation. And, and that's kind of the hard part is working your way through all of those, those different things. And that's why it's an imperfect process. You know, Hey, the scheme that he was in wasn't great. The play, the role he was playing wasn't great. He's going to be better in this role, blah, blah, blah. It's all a projection anyways, but it is interesting. You bring this up because I don't have him as an X. I don't think he's an X, like a number one receiver. I think he is a very, very, very good too. And he could be a low-end one if you need him to step up into that role. You know, remember Calvin Ridley a few years ago came out? And when you every time you watch Calvin Ridley, he still might be the cleanest wide receiver prospect I've watched coming out of college. His routes were so good. Everything about what he did, the way he set people up, his, his prowess was top-notch. <laughs> and the thing is, he's just not a true one. And it's be, he's just not. Yeah. He's a really, really good two. If you've got a good one that you can put out there and put him in the two, he's going to kill it. And we saw that when he played those couple years in Atlanta. You know, with uh, I think Julio was still there playing at a high level. And so we saw him be this productive weapon. So I, that's kind of where I see Marvin Harrison Jr. Is what in is that, it about him that you think doesn't put him in that, you know, true exposition? Because, I mean, he has the size. He has the length. He has probably the speed, I think. Doesn't play like, doesn't play as big as he is. You okay, know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah, you don't see him body at the catch point. You don't see him do stuff like that. The the physical I don't stuff see to bully. control. Yeah, yeah. yeah to, like like when you would watch Garrett Wilson, you wouldn't think Garrett Wilson was five eleven. You'd think he was six two. 
because he yeah. played like it, yeah. you know, in that same school, same role that he that Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing right now. And I think yeah. when you saw that Indiana game where he was really quiet, it was it's because Indiana was a very physical team that was giving him all that they had, and he didn't respond with that physicality. Yeah, you know, so it's not so much an overlooking the thing. We're not discrediting him or anything. We're just pointing out that this is the type of player that he is, in our opinion, at least. Yeah. Could be wrong. Been wrong about wide receivers a lot, actually. Believe it or not, but because um, wide receiver is such a, that's one of the they can bust a lot of ways. That's a tough position to evaluate, and yeah. so uh, you know that's I that's that's kind of but that is where I, I would see him right now. I think the thing that just kind of gave me pause was last year, um, Deontay Banks from Maryland. And, I mean, Deontay Banks went on to become a first-round pick for the Giants, so it's not like he's yeah. a slouch. But he was a dog. Deontay Banks kind of jacked up Marvin Harrison throughout that matchup. I think Harrison only had one or two catches, but Her- uh, Deontay Banks was willing to take that you know, to a street fight. And I don't think Harrison Jr. really liked it. He wanted to out-talent him. And when he couldn't, it was kind of just like, ah, it's a stalemate. But you, if you see, if you hear about a guy being a can't miss, you know, best prospect since the 2014 class with Odell and Watkins, blah blah blah. You, you want to see a guy that bullies everybody, that's kind of just dominant no matter the matchup. And he might end up being that, but like you, know, like you said, we've been wrong before. But right now, I think I, I'm a little uninspired, and I wish that was not the case. But we'll see. Yeah, absolutely, we will see, and. We will see. Uh, it's going to be a fun year, man. So my second hot take I've got for you, this is more of a general college football take, but because you did say that we could do that when you I got presented one this. <laughs> Alabama is figuring it out. Yeah, I think so. Look, every every year they have a loss early in the year like, like Texas, right? Every time that they mess something up, everybody sits there and goes, oh, it's the end of the Saban dynasty. Whoa, it's coming down. Oh, look, the sky is falling. And Alabama fans are the absolute worst about it, too. Like, they jump on and they're all, oh, woe is me. Time to move on from Nick Saban. And then they go into a game like Old Miss, and everybody's, the line's minus seven. They're favored by seven, you know, and everybody's taking Old Miss on against the spread, going, yep, this is it. They're going to be two and two. It's going to happen. No, dog. We've we've seen this so many times before. It's not even funny. Okay, I was one of those guys. I sat there and said, "No, no, no, Bama's going to figure it out." And, and here's why: because that defense, first off, is really good, really good. Okay, very, very there's good. a lot of very good players on there. It's one of the better defenses we've seen from Alabama over the last few years. Yeah, they got diced a little bit by Quinn Ewers, but that's because Quinn Ewers coming into that game hadn't hit a deep ball. Didn't hit a deep ball against Rice the week before. Was very inconsistent with his deep ball. Well, he went three for five over 20 yards in that game and torched him for two touchdowns. And Sarkeesian is Sarkeesian, who's a genius offensively. And he knows Nick Saban's. I mean, he worked there. He knows Nick Saban's yep. rules of defense. He knows a lot about the Alabama program. I, I think that was a lot of. Sa- when I watched that tape back, I was like much more impressed with what I thought Sarkeesian brought to the table that day than Ewers. Yeah. Um, not to say Ewers played bad or not good, but it was. I felt like the coach was. He got, Saban got out coached that day. And and so every so I my point is we do this every year with Alabama. We do every time that this is going something's going wrong. And then there was the whole quarterback issue. Oh, they don't have a quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Hey, these guys went to back to back national championships with a guy named Jalen Hurts who couldn't throw the ball. Remember that? Yeah. And he couldn't back then. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh my brain's oh, 
Jalen Milrow? Who does that guy make you think of? There we go. Who does he make you think of? When you watch Jalen Milrow, if you put a two on the back of that jersey, who would you think it was? Uh, he's more dynamic of a runner than Hurts, but okay. But uh, still, I, I my, point, point. my point, my yeah, point still is a more dynamic runner at the quarterback position than Jalen Hurts. And this is a team with a great defense that went to back-to-back national championships. Yeah. They're going to get it. They figured it out. They know what they got to do. They're going to go do it. They're going to be back in the playoff. Okay, everybody, the sky is not falling. Saban's not going down. It's not time for him to retire and go to the house with Mrs. Saban. That's not happening. They're fine. Stop freaking out. I think you're right. I think Bama ends up, and if you look at Georgia's schedule, it's a cupcake. They, they don't play anybody that I'm like could realistically knock them off. I think Georgia rolls into the playoff again, and I think Washington is the best team in college football. I think they belong in the playoff. I think their schedule is too good, and they will not. They're going to get upset twice. They Ooh. have to play Utah, Oregon State, Washington State, USC. That's just, Here's I'm confused too. Pac-12 gets eliminated from the face of the earth like after this year, and they've always sucked. All of a sudden this year, they have like six teams that you're like, that's a damn good team, dude. What happened? It's like we... we Transfer know, they, portal. We, bro, <laughs> yeah. I was like, the, the one year that, you know, their last year in college football, and this is the year they decided to absolutely ball. You're going to go um, out with a bang. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. But I think Washington belongs in the playoff this year. I really do. And I don't think they're going to make it because I think they're going to lose to USC. And I think they're going to lose to Washington State or something. And it, and it mm. sucks. But it's going to happen. You can't play tough teams every single week that not only are they tough, but know you from the past. Like, it's just it's not a recipe for going undefeated. And I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I don't think any team out of the Pac-12 comes out undefeated. I mean, Utah's no. had USC's number for the last couple of years. That's another one they could go down to. Now USC's got Oregon and Washington to contend with. Washington yep. State could upset them. Oh, Washington, I mean, Oregon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's some yeah, row I think out there. they do. I think they do. I could be wrong, but my point is, like, there's a lot of teams that could put some damage on people, you know. And, and yeah. I, I don't know if we dismiss Colorado completely yet. We Just do. I know that. Well, I know that that Oregon game was nasty. And I watched the tape today, and I was like, ooh, that Oregon defense really showed out. Kyrie yeah. Jackson, golly. I'm gonna be talk- we're going to be talking about him throughout the year. Might oh. be cornerback one. Crazy man-man, co- man-man uh, coverage. He's the Alabama transfer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, long, sure fluid. Yeah, man, he's good. In the hip pocket all the time. Yeah. Reactive. There was a few times where I was like, he's beat. But then he jumps up and he's twelve feet long, and I'm like, all right, never mind. Well, not just that, but his his short burst too. He's got some short yeah. burst to like. His, yeah. Ooh, yeah, it's it's yeah. intriguing. So, but anyways, was that your hot take and a half? Yeah, that was the half. Okay, that'll work. So, defensive lineman, we got to get into here. So, uh, de- interior defensive lineman. Remember the text from last week. Um, there, there's some good stuff here. That, that we can talk about. There's a few different types of players. I think we're going to start with the misses, and then we're going to work into the hits as we normally do. First miss that we're going to talk about, we're going to go back to, you know what, we're going to start back in 2016. Ooh, I just absolutely moved my camera. Uh, Robert Kimdiche out of Ole Miss in 2016 was a first-round pick, was expected to be this do-it-all defensive lineman. You were, you were, I know you were scouting that year, so... That was my first year I really started doing scouting, quote-unquote. He was so, the top overall recruit coming out of high school. 
like a perfect five star, one hundred percent. Like the he, I mean, the talks about him coming out of high school were absurd. You know, like you're like, okay, this guy, this is Jesus coming to the, to football. Um, and then, yeah, he goes to Ole Miss and he had flashes. Um, I don't. How did you? What were you? Where were you on him? Because I personally, he was not a guy that I. Oh, I totally bought the hype. That was my first year. Okay. You know, that was my first real draft class that I went into. I totally bought the hype. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he was a beast at Ole Miss. <laughs> yeah. His flashes were amazing. Um, the athlete that he was billed as was there when it was there. Uh, but he was that guy that a lot of times I'm like, does he care about football? He looks disinterested. He doesn't really have a plan. He was that dude that always survived being the better athlete in college. And then, um, you know, where was he taken? He was taken 28th overall or something. Yep. Toward the which bottom still, end of the first round. Yeah. Which is still crazy. Yeah. To be taken that that late after being what he was. Tape wasn't great at Ole Miss, though. And I do remember uh, thinking in college, like, I don't know what his true position is because he was a little bit of a tweener. His edge reps were pretty undesired. You know, they left a lot to be desired. His interior reps were fine, but he was super linear and he just didn't look like he was. He didn't look like he had to try that hard because he was just better than everyone. But you're like, I don't really know what translates to the NFL. And, oh, man, yeah, Robert, what could have been? So what's interesting is while I know the media absolutely loved this guy um, because he was such a big recruit, I went ahead and pulled up his 2016 scouting report on NFL.com. was a 6'3", because draft scout for some reason wasn't working. Um, six three for two hundred ninety four pounds, thirty three yeah. and seven eighth arms, ten and three fourth hands. Uh, ran a four eight seven forty thirty five inch vertical jump. Put twenty eight bench press ups. You know, so Kim Diche was a was a really interesting guy because I think everybody was kind of trying to was thinking he was going to be this three and five tech type player that you could even slide down to the one if you had to in certain schemes, certain instances thought he was going to be a more disruptive, you know, as a gap penetrator, uh, you know, because, you know, you sit here, you look at, I think this is Lance Zerloin's write up from that year. You know, he talks about how he carries no bad weight, uh, has reactive was- explosiveness, could penetrate, proved he could penetrate and two gap, you know, so, yep. so that that's going to bring up the two gap thing that I brought up earlier when I was talking about Evan Anderson. Two gap means you get to line up head on with somebody. So remember the text: you got zero is right head on with the center, two is head on with the guard, four is head on with the tackle. Which means when you are head on with somebody and you are a two gap player, that means you can play both sides of that gap and shut down two spots for like you know a potential run. Uh, so. That's kind of what they were thinking about Kimdiche when he came out was he was this two gap player that could play all you know all of those roles. So they said showed noticeable improvement as a pass rusher his, his last year, and you know uh, then when you go back to the other stuff, you've got for all the talent and athletic traits, his production was disappointing. Never forced to recover to fumble, ducks head into initial off snap, losing track of the ball. Uh, tightly wound, straight line athlete who needs to play to stay inside his optimal areas of movement. Inconsistent effort after his initial pass rush move is thwarted. Needs to develop a counter rush move. These are all notes that Lance took down. And then here's the here's the interesting thing. Uh, an NFC executive, an anonymous NFC executive, told him 
beautiful body and from the Sean Oakman school of production. That's a guy that we missed out talking about last week. Yeah, he's a, he's a much better talent than Oakman, but Oakman is the better kid. He will not be on our board as a first round option. If he slides, we'll see. Yeah. He's that so, guy that you can tell did not love football, you know? And I think it was like teams were scared to not take him and look foolish so, you know, you take him because if he busts, no one would blame you. But if you don't take him and he doesn't bust, you're an idiot. And I think that's where the, I think it was the Cardinals that ended up drafting them, correct? Yep. 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 It was Arizona. Yeah, man. It was, yeah. I I wish he loved football because I think that his lack of interest was there on tape a lot. And, you know, obviously showed up in the pros as he became a bust. And I, I mean, I don't even remember how long he lasted, but it wasn't his career was so underwhelming so quickly. It was five yeah. or six years, and then he ended up – he washed up into the XFL last year where he played with the Vegas Vipers. I saw that. I saw him in the mm -hmm. XFL on TV one day. I was like, that's where he's at, dude? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, But, yeah, so that's what happened is I think we we had a, a guy that had the perfect build, had all the hype in the world behind him, coming out of high school all his life, and then just didn't put the work in at the end of the day. Didn't – was yeah. – didn't – I mean, if you don't have a counter rush, a counter move – you're lazy. I, I'm I'm quoting you know directly that from an NFL scout. You know we sat down in a Zoom call for a couple hours one time and breaking down defense alignment. I guess about a few months ago, and he was like, "Hey, if you're just a bull rusher, you're lazy. You're not putting any in any work. You're not figuring anything out." And that's kind of what ended up happening to him. And when he got to the NFL, he wasn't more gifted than everybody else anymore because now the whole playing level rises, and you have to be able to develop that stuff. And he just never did. Yeah. You have to be able to to threaten both gaps. You have to be, be able to threaten the guy in front of you both ways. You have to be able to go, you know, to both gaps around him. And if you can't threaten both of those, or at least make it a competent thing you're able to do here and there, yeah, you're not going to make it. You're never gonna. You're never gonna last. We've talked about that with the outside edge rushers too. We said unless you have a counter, you better be a pretty darn good speed rusher. You better be the fastest guy in the world to just be able to consistently. Or the strongest guy. You better be able to do one or the other. But, like, you know, that's that's really not going to last. Um, yeah, Robert Kim DJ was crazy, man, because he – I remember a lot of media scouts loved him. Um, but it was, like – that was one of those ones where you really have to go with your gut. You either have to say, oh, look, I, I like him, or I just absolutely do not because I don't see the guy that loves football. And um, the net, I mean, one of my my first bust right here that I wrote down uh, reminds me so much of Kim DJ. Completely different, like, style – or completely different guy, I get, I'd say person and football player but similar um limitations and similar style of play so do you want me to give him right now send it okay yeah. uh 2017 draft third overall is solomon thomas out of stanford um he came in six two or six three two seventy three he had mm -hmm. 33 inch arms nine and three eighths so he has kind of short arms um, and I think that's why Stanford decided to put him on the inside a lot. And I think in their scheme, he played under tackle. And for those who don't know what under tackle is, so when you have a 4-3 front, 4-down lineman, you can either have the three technique on the strength of the offense or you can have him on the backside. And if he's a under tackle, he's on the backside. And that basically means, in theory, as soon as the ball is snapped and the offense goes away from you, you're basically a ch just a chaser. Blow up the backside of the guard and go get the ball. Um, and that's made a lot of guys look good. I mean, John, uh, if we remember Jonathan Bullard from Florida had yep. like highlight after highlight after highlight in the, in at Florida, just doing that, blowing off the ball, chasing it down backside. He ended up going into the third round 
uh, I think, to the Bears, and he never became anything like that again because you get to the NFL, you can't exclusively play the under role anymore. I mean, teams have under schemes still, but it's not consistent. It's not 100% of the time. Right. And you're going to have you're going to have to take dudes on sometimes. You're going to have to face a double team on the front side. You can't be that guy, but Solomon Thomas was expected to be like this world beater pro pro bowl, you know, every single year type athlete. I was confused by him because I saw a guy with short arms, 275. He had no he had no reps on the edge that made me think, "Ah, you can be an edge rusher." He was kind of tightly wound. He didn't really, you know, bend that well. He didn't really look too fluid. But his power was insane, and he had maybe one of the, some of the best get-off I've ever seen. The way he got off the ball was crazy. Um, I kind of compared him to Michael Bennett, who was like a big time. Remember, he, he was on the Seahawks for a long time. Yep. He was similar style of just like he does everything. He plays all over. He's really disruptive. He's really powerful, but he's not the best uh, fluid athlete. He's kind of more of a linear rusher and just power guy. That's what I thought Solomon Thomas could be. And holy crap, the dude, it busted right away. <laughs> then he went, he, uh, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. He goes to Oakland when they were still Oakland. No, uh, they just moved his, to Vegas. They just moved to yeah. Vegas. First year there. Oh, yep. okay, good. Then he tears his ACL 2020. And now he's on the Jets, I believe, in just a backup role. But the career yeah. this guy was supposed to have compared to what he's had so far is absolutely wild, man. And I remember seeing him as a prospect thinking, like, the tape is elite, but I, I did not understand his body. And where you would put him. And turns out that's kind of what happened. Because he was a he had effort. He was a, a dude that loved football. He was he played hard. It looked like he was the guy that, you know, how could he bust? He's gonna get after it hundred percent of the time. And um like I guess that's not enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, he hasn't started a game since he tore his ACL in twenty twenty. That was the last game that he started. He's been a, an exclusive rotational role ever since then. Uh the last Two seasons, he put up four sacks. He's got one this year. Um, but, yeah, like you said, limited production. That's just not the player that he is. You know, uh, this is the second year with the Jets, you know, in that in that scheme. That's why they're so deep is because they've got a lot of guys. But he's not playing defensive end. He's playing pretty much exclusively on the inside as a three-tech right now. He's like a um, pass rush specialist. He comes in, and it's like – a third down here and there. They're just like, go get the pass rush, go get yeah. the quarterback if you can. But yeah, yeah. he is. And I mean, the crazy thing is too, I always do this in hindsight. I'll look at who was drafted after him that like the nine, like, so for instance, the Niners took him third overall that year. And remember, was, remember they were going to take him second overall, but they fleeced <laughs> the bears into thinking they were about to take Mitch Trubisky. Yes. And they yeah. it back only to take, Solomon Thomas over Christian McCaffrey, Patrick Mahomes, Marshawn Lattimore, Jonathan Allen, Deshaun Watson, TJ Watt, Buddha Baker, Hassan Reddick. Those are all guys that were still on the board when they took Solomon Thomas. Well, hey, they ended up with it worked out because they got Christian anyway. So yeah, yeah they, <laughs> they paid a fortune for him a few years later. It's just crazy no. how that works, man. Yeah. So, but no, that's that was a good one. Uh, we're talking about a guy that we thought. Was was probably I think a lot of people thought he was going to be a defensive end, and he wasn't that. Was that. Yeah. yeah, that was he wasn't that at all. So they learned that quickly uh, after starting pretty much all the games in his first two years. He dropped a three starts in 2019 before he tore his ACL. So five starts in the last five years so far for him. Mostly a rotational role guy. Definitely not what you wanted to out of a third overall pick in the draft. Uh, the guy that I'm going to bring up here as a miss is Taven Bryant going up to the 2018 NFL draft. Uh, this is a guy both you and I, we both liked him a lot when he was coming out. 
He's a Florida big guy, 6'5", 298, uh, or 291, excuse me. Ran a 4.9840, 30 bench press, reps, 35-inch vertical. I mean, had all the explosiveness in the world that you saw. Elite um, off the snap. I mean, yeah, elite off the snap. And I think that's where it ended, though. <laughs> that's, where it, that's where it got... That's that's what we learned in that class, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were we were so caught up on that that first step and how well he could command it, and thought that he was going to be this gap penetrator. But once he came up off that first step, he's no a bull rusher. Instincts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a bull rusher. <laughs> he, was, he he was an under tackle. He's another guy where if you put him on the backside, put him on the weak side of the defense or the offense. And let him go. That might work, but you can't do that all the time in the NFL. And I think he had to learn how to play like real interior line football, and that was just not for him. Because I think you know, no, go ahead. he's still in the league. Um, yeah, look, he's he was with Cleveland last year. Started all sixteen games. Ended up with three sacks, just twenty six tackles. And he's with the Colts right now in a rotational role. But this is a guy that was taken in the first round in twenty eighteen. Was expected to kind of be. The guy that stepped up in the last year he was at Jacksonville didn't start a game. Yeah, I remember that when he was with the Jacksonville. And I was always hoping, like, this is his breakout. This is his breakout. <laughs> yeah. Nope. No, not man. happening. No, man. <laughs> so, so the did you have one more bust that you wanted to get into? or No, I didn't feel like being too mean today. I just stuck with them. Okay, one. that's fine. That's, that's yeah. cool. So I got a few hits. Yeah, so that's that lost over. Yeah, no, but I think the whole point that we're seeing from the misses is. Bull rushing is lazy. You got to be able to do more than just bull rush. That's yeah. the lesson well, yeah. to be learned. I think there's not a ton of misses at um, like there's the more not one one technique nose tackle types because the NFL doesn't take those too high. The NFL will will swing and miss on like big time athletes and pass rushers like Solomon Thomas, Kim DJ, Taven Bryan, and those are the guys that either are tweeners or they don't have instincts or they don't love football, or you know they don't develop counter, and then they bust. But there's a lot of busts like that because, like I said, the NFL is willing you know, to – the ability to get after the, the quarterback from the inside is like is priceless. Like You need that. I think we overvalue edge rushers a little bit, but when you have an interior presence that can really force the quarterback off his spot early, yikes, man. I mean, that, that's just derails game plans. We saw Chris Jones do that to Joe Burrow in the playoffs – or the Super Bowl <laughs> that year, or no, yeah, the AFC, AFC championship. championship. Right. Yep, yeah, yep. I mean, like Chris Jones won that game by himself, man. Joe Burrow, you can hit the know, quarterback any way you want. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Roger Goodell, <laughs> Roger Goodell. Oh boy. Um, well, yeah, I have three hits for okay. myself. I guess I'll, I'll do two. I'll do two. Okay. I have, um, let's see, Derek Nadi, twenty eighteen. He went to Florida State, 6'1", 317, 33 and a half arm, 9078 hand. He was comped by a lot of people, and I think from Lance Zerline, also to Javon Hargrave coming out of the draft. And I think 6'1", 315, that's not a huge dude. you know. And when you're not a gap shooter, penetrator, pure three technique, it's, it kind of leaves teams in that area of like, what do we do with him? Where do we put him? Um, but... I've, I don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, other than like Jeffrey Simmons and maybe a few others, like this is the strongest dude I've ever seen in college football. He was so low to the ground, built like a bowling ball. 
Um, and he was an absolute technician at getting off blocks and just controlling the man in front of him. So I knew like th- this guy will probably find a way. I think he was a, he was the 75th overall pick that year mm-hmm. in 2018 round three, but he was one of the ones where I said, dude, if he's there in the second round and I need interior help, like I'm, I probably reach for this guy. And sure enough, I mean, he's made a name for himself in the NFL and I, is he, he's still on the chiefs right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yep. Okay. I was like, wait, I'm, yep. I'm, my brain is killing itself right now. Like I, I lost it. But yeah, he's won. He won a Super Bowl there too. But dude, I mean, as far as nose tackles go, he's one of the best in the NFL. And we've seen him even develop a little bit of pass rush. So I just, I think it it makes sense why he slipped in the draft. He's not the most desirable body type in the world. But I think you know, like we've been talking about it, ballers who love ball can can play, and he's he's one of those guys. So let's talk a little bit about nose tackle and clarify that one too, because nose tackle, it, it's a position, I guess, is starting to become more popular, right? For a while, it looked for a couple of years like nose tackles are about to be erased. You know, when you think of the old nose tackles, you know, from previous time ago, they were these big giant guys that just ate up the inside. And then we had Alabama and Georgia picking up these, these guys that were 350 pounds and they were going in the second round in 2013, 2012. You know, like that type of nose tackle for the most part is gone. And it's because there's so much speed to the game now. That's how Alabama actually lost, you know, in the playoff game 2014 to Ohio State was because Ohio State was able to run the perimeter and just outflank them because they had these 350 pound guys that couldn't move yeah. to the perimeter. Yeah. You know, so as long as you held up and and hold that off, you were gone. But so nose tackle kind of started to fade away for a while. A lot of teams got away from it. It's starting to kind of come back to prominence again. And it's really because you've got a lot of teams going, even when they're in a four, three, right? A true, like if they were in base, it'd be a four, three, four down linemen, three linebackers. They like to kind of play a linebacker down, you know, again, I know that I say this a lot. The Eagles started it. Uh, the Eagles started this with Hassan Reddick last year and got him into a position where, when you've got all these defensive linemen, you're creating one-on-one opportunities for them. And some of your interior guys, you cannot block one-on-one like Jordan Davis or, you know, Hargrave last year for them was not a guy you could block one-on-one, you know? So when you have these types of athletes there, when you go five man front and you bring all five, now you're one-on-one with the offensive linemen but they've got to double a guy, which means that if you've got somebody extra in pass protection, maybe a tight end, maybe a running back, they're one-on-one with Hassan Reddick or whoever's on the other side, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, didn't matter, Derek Barnett. Yep. So that sort of scheme is make coming back to prominence because if you've got a true nose that's in that, even though a nose isn't typically in your 4-3 defense, you're typically going with guys that can shift between three and one techs. If you've got a true nose in that, and you can play under like you were talking about. Now you now you've got the center and the guard tied up with one guy and you got your one-on-one on the perimeter. That's the thing that pissed me off so much listening to some of these pundits talk about what are you putting these guys one-on-one? Nick Bosa one-on-one with the tight end. Why is it so Reddick one-on-one with the tight end? That's how Brock Purdy got hurt. Yeah, because they beat the scheme. Yeah, we don't have a choice, bro. Are you gonna? Are you just gonna let Jordan <laughs> Davis like come in there and hit Brock Purdy and like straight up the middle because he just yeah. blew up the guard? Like, no, no, you're not gonna do that. So you, you're you're hoping that Purdy's gonna have, 
you know, the knowledge to step up in the pocket or the feel for it. That was his blind side. So the, the feel to step up in the pocket and make the throw. Uh, so that's kind of like zero techs, n- nose tackles or zeros or ones. Those are kind of starting to make a comeback. And it's because of the opportunities that you could present to an offensive line to get to the quarterback. Yeah, if you can control the center and the goal, if you can control double teams as a defense, like you can consistently control that area. I mean, it opens up a lot of what you're able to do. But if you don't have a guy in the middle that's can hold that ground and kind of lock some things up and let your linebackers flow and the other guys in your other defensive linemen can't move, like it, it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if the A gap is belongs to the offense, you know, good luck stopping the run. And they can run on you all day. I wrote down like so, just for for our listeners, like if you want some some archetypes, it's like the nose tackles would be B.J. Raji, Vita Vea for the uh, Buccaneers, Vince Wilfork, Dexter Lawrence, Jordan Davis. Those are true a gap to a gap types that are always going to be in the middle. That you're not going to probably put at your three tech. They're not upfield, you know, dominant pass rushers. But these are guys that are really going to be your expert run stoppers. And they're going to be that one to zero techs, you know, right in the middle that control everything. If you want like true three techniques, true upfield gap shooter types, Gerald McCoy, uh, Geno Atkins, Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, guys that excel, you know, penetrating gaps and and getting after the quarterback. Um, There's a lot of guys that do both. And those are those are fantastic. Um, Like Kenny Clark, uh, DeForest Buckner, Quinnen Williams, Christian Barmore. I think those are the guys that we should talk about that get not a lot of love in the NFL because they don't maybe excel. They don't have like one thing that they specialize at, but you could put them anywhere and they're absolutely disruptive. And like, I can't believe you just left. I can't believe you just left Derek Brown off that list. Derek Brown too. Okay. Derek Brown, Derek Brown, bro. (laughs) Like he's probably probably the best defensive tackle. No, he's probably the best defensive tackle in the league right now. You know, you know who else? Kenny Clark is playing out of his freaking mind. He is. He's a lot like Derek Brown, but they, but they don't, they get if you watch those two, they get moved around a lot, and it's because they're so capable of doing so much. Where if you have a guy like Aaron Donald, you're going to save him for your pass rush, and you're going to keep him at three, and you're going to keep him in spots that allow him to get after the quarterback. So he's not getting these reps that cover him up or just make him hold his ground and stand there. He kind of gets the flashier reps where some of these other dudes are absolutely wrecking shop, but you don't get to see it as much because you know they're kind of holding it all together on the defensive front. Right. And that's that's the other archetype. That you, I think Aaron Donald is kind of in his own archetype uh, because they still do move him around a lot in the Rams yeah. offense. He'll play five. He'll play three. You know who else used to do that a lot and has managed to stay in the in the NFL for 12, 13 years now? And Dominican too. Well, I mean him too, but he's not. Okay. Is he still in the league? I have no idea. I think I, I don't no think he, I think he's a free agent right now. I don't think I he's think with he, anybody. I, th- I think he is. Yeah. It's just he's so old now. Remember he's not he's the athlete he used to be. Yeah. But no, Brendan Graham. Brendan oh, Graham yeah, yeah. is another one of these guys. But Brendan yeah. Graham is a little bit different because he was built more like a defensive end. Okay. Like Brendan Graham's not 300 pounds, 290 like Aaron Donald. He's like 270. Yeah. You know, but they move him into five. He can play the three. He's a gap penetrator. You know, so just depending, I think that if you're in a match four type scheme and you're going to play a lot of zone coverage and match coverages, you're typically looking for four guys that are. More, you know, you're gonna your ends are gonna go after the quarterback, but inside you want guys that are gonna hold those blocks. You want those two guys holding three guys, three blocks. Yeah. yeah. When you are in a Fangio type system, 
uh, on the back end where you have a lot of different man zone looks. You're, look, you're blitzing from different places. You want gap penetrators. You know, so it just goes back to the scheme. It goes back to what the different things that you're looking for are. Um, and, you know, like you just brought think- up a great example. The, the problem is when you go look at hits, right? Like in the draft, like later in the draft, most of the hits that you're going to find are nose tackles because we just don't take them high. Yeah. Right. The, we know a lot of these guys are first round worthy, but I don't, if you don't need to take them there, they're not going to go there. Right. And, and like we said earlier, the NFL swings and misses on the athletes because that's what matters. That's what you have to take early. But a lot of, you know, late round nose tackles go, you know, mid rounds or a lot of late, a lot of nose tackles that are not first rounders are, are the hits. And that's just because, like you said, <clears throat> it's an auction. We don't have to take them. The other thing, too, that's funny is when you go through the draft classes and you look at the defensive tackles that are taken every year, there's not a lot of misses. There's not a lot of them at all. Yeah, Because it's, it's in, in all honesty, it's not too hard to find guys that can play inside. And when you see them in college and they're wrecking, they're wrecking things and they're doing good stuff, you use, they're usually going to be able to do that at the next level. I mean, Derek yeah. Brown was a guy, I almost wrote him down as a hit, but I was like, well, he was seventh overall. So, yeah, you know, I mean, or he was, uh, you he know, was pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like guys like that, you watch, it's really easy. It's just, it's like when you start looking at tweeners and how they're going to fit, that's the tough part. Um, I was at the 2021 NFL Combine and I was talking with Mark Gorsak, uh, and we were talking about defensive tackles and defensive linemen and stuff. And he said, remember Eric Johnson out of Missouri State that year? No. 2021. <clears throat> he, was this, he, was this, he ended up going the fifth round of the Colts. Uh, he's, he's gotten some playing time. But he wasn't there at the Combine. So he was a hot topic to bring up. Like execs and everybody were bringing him up like all week going, why isn't he here? Why isn't he here? Doesn't make any sense. Because he was a 6'5", 300-pound guy that could move. And the interesting statistic that he gave me was 5% of American males are 6'2", and over 6'2", and over 200 pounds. Okay. So when you can find a guy that's 6'5", and 300 (laughs) pounds, and he can move, that's gold. That's gold. And that's why... It was confusing to me when Chris Jones slid to the second round <laughs> in the 2016 NFL draft. Uh, that's, your next that's, hit? My, that's my second hit. Yeah. That year was crazy because I remember, uh, you know, I'd only been in it for like three or four years at that point. So I'm like, I, I'm still young. I don't know a lot, but I know enough. And so I'm watching Chris Jones at Mississippi State play edge rusher, play inside. And I mean, Bro, if you want to talk about like a specimen, 6'6", 310 playing the edge and winning, like winning upfield, not even like power or inside moves. He was winning the edge. Yeah. And he played basketball in high school, so he's got the sweet feet. The only negatives that I remember hearing about him were pad level. And Too high. sometimes it sometimes it, yeah, his pad level got high. Yeah, six six. Of course it gets high. Sometimes yeah. uh you know, his rushes would stall and it would look like he kind of gave up because of his pad level. Okay, that's pretty fixable. When a dude moves like he does and has the power that he does, I'm willing to take that chance. And when he slid to the second round, I mean, I could not believe it. I thought I missed something. I'm like, well, he's going to suck in the NFL. Like, clearly I missed something. There's something wrong with this kid. He's, you know, 
if they're only willing to take him in the second round, they probably felt like they were still reaching on his athleticism. So there's something that he can't do. Sure enough, you know, he's arguably the best defensive tackle in the NFL right now. He's won some Super Bowls with the Chiefs. Three times Single second, hand. three times second team all pro, one time first team all pro, two two different seasons where he's had fifteen point five sacks. I mean, absolute yeah. disrupting, uh, absolute disruptive force. Look, did his ball sack come out when he ran the 40 at the combine? Sure. But honestly, that's awesome. <laughs> I would have taken him higher because of that. <laughs> that I, for our listeners, that actually happened. When he ran the 40 at the combine, he had a little uh, wardrobe malfunction. Yeah. And then he fell over. It, I mean, it was a mess. But uh, he, yeah. And he still ran a 4.63. Yeah, the dude's a game wrecker. <laughs> and you, you run 4.63 at 6.6310? Good Lord. Uh, yeah, that, that's my second hit just because I remember that year I had him. Uh, I had Kenny Clark as my second defensive tackle, and I had Sheldon Rank as his third. And then it kind of got messy after that. I forget who else was in that class. But I remember those three, I thought, like, game records right there. No, wait a second. That can't be right. Four, six, three. That didn't sound right. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I was on pro football reference. I'm going to draft (laughs) it. I was like, something doesn't sound right about that. Yeah, no, they put a wide receiver. Because I was like, eight bench press reps. That's not right. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way I could do that. Mm-hmm. Was it uh he still ran like four eights or something? Yeah, hang on, I'm pulling it up. I'm gonna get a draft scout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four eight eight. Okay. That that's more like it. Twenty six bench press reps. Yeah, that's better. That's better. That's a, that sounds more Yeah, he right. did it at three ten. At three hundred and ten yeah. pounds. With long arms. Long arms. That's a lot of bench press reps for those long arms. That's insane. The dude the dude was wild in college, man. And I mean I yeah that I couldn't believe Sheldon Rankin. I, I like Sheldon Rankins out of Louisville that year too, and but he was what six two, yeah. three hundred, and yeah, he's a little. He guy. wasn't the dynamic freak that Jones was, or the big the big guy that Kenny Clark was. But you know, I think he he went first that year. But not that he's been a bad player or a bust. But the, the two that went after him, I think, are are pretty crazy to to say like we passed on them. Yeah, no, Chris Jones has definitely carved himself out of career. And somehow managed to stay in the commissioner's favor his entire life. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how yeah. he did it. Yep. Kudos to him, you know? Mm. So I think we covered pretty much all the different types. I'm just going to bring up another guy. I'm going to bring up two guys, and I'm just going to talk about them briefly. And I'm going to make sure that I say their names correctly because the first guy has got a really funky name. And that's where uh, Pro Football Reference comes in handy because they tell you how to say this stuff. Follow Run Show. These college guys? Fatu- no, no, no. Follow Run Show. Follow Run Show. Fatukasi. Fatukasi. Fifth rounder. A uh, sixth rounder in the 2018 NFL draft. Okay. Uh, went to the Jets. Played a very minimal role his rookie year. It was a total development. Came in in 2019. Started to get some reps, became a starter halfway through the 2020 season. By the time he was in his last year of his contract, he was a full-time starter there, 46 tackles, absolute run stuff for one tech, 6'4", 318, uh, a guy that played inside like that. Ends up go- getting signed by the Jaguars to like a $12 million plus a year contract. Uh, and everybody, when it happened, including myself, because I didn't even know he had existed at the time, I was not paying that much attention, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah, when he signed to that, I went, what? 
everybody went, what? Who is this guy? Yeah, and, he's, a good, uh, he's a good player. Yeah, he's a good interior guy. Now, he's not a guy that's going to get a lot of production. He's only had four and a half sacks his entire career. But he's a run stuffer. He fits up inside really well. Um, long arms. You know, so he'll disrupt passing lanes and stuff. That's a solid guy. The other guy I want to talk about is uh, Davin Godchucks. Godchow. Godchow. Thank you. Got something. Whatever. Godchow. Yeah. So, boy. Mm-hmm. That's a fifth round pick right there. 2018. That another one tech type guy, interior run guy, but signed a ludicrous contract to go to New England. And if Bill Belichick is willing to put money down on you, yeah, that's saying something. He was that dude that I loved at LSU, but I'm like, he's going to slide because he does nothing elite. He does everything well. So I'm like, he's not a pass rusher. He's not a pure nose. But I mean, yeah, there was nothing about him that you're like, ah, that's a weakness to his game other than he's probably not going to rack up sacks. And he wasn't the biggest dude. He wasn't like the when you when you think about a nose tackle, he's probably not what you look for, or not what you look at and be like, that's the, you know he he was kind of a hybrid body of like every Six, type three, of three eleven, yeah, yeah. It's like he he looks like a lot of defensive tackles, but I can't figure out what his body is meant for. Good player though, and he's made a good career for himself being a fifth rounder. Yeah, what's funny is that last year that he before he, he got hurt in twenty twenty, but his, his the last year that he played fully at Miami. Two sacks, 75 tackles in 16 games. Ooh. 75. Ooh. And since he's been in Miami, yeah, nose tackle. He was a strict nose tackle in Miami. And since he's come to New England, 65, 62 tackles. Yeah. He's a very, ball, very strong interior running guy. Like, we still need those guys, especially now. Yeah. The whole league is shifting back to run the ball. I mean, did you watch the last two uh, Thursday night games? Yeah, of course. What happened? Eagles oh. couldn't throw the ball. They just decided to run oh. the ball. Well, so yeah. they ran the ball. <laughs> and yeah. they ran the ball like the rest of the night and won the game. <laughs> what San Francisco started to struggle throw the ball a little bit, having a little bit of problems. What did they do? Run the ball. <laughs> you know, so that's funny. You're seeing that more. That's funny you bring that up because my third hit that I was just going to – I won't go into him, but he was uh, – it's Harrison Phillips. Remember out of Stanford? Mm, he yep. went – I forget where he – oh, he was a third-round pick. He's on the Bills still. That's where he got mm-hmm. drafted in 2018. He's still there. He's not a good athlete by any means. He's not a good pass rusher by any means. But he is a he was a former wrestler in high school and like his whole life, I believe. He is such a good run stopper and just a dude that plays football hard. So he has a role for himself. And like when they need to stop the run, Harrison Phillips comes in the game and he can play nose, he can play three, four, five, he plays every technique up and down the line. And he's just made he's, an absolute He's actually role he's actually in Minnesota now. But wait, wait, uh, wait. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why I, I was like, I yeah. just watched him play the other day. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, yep. 59 tackles last year's first year in Minnesota. Get this. Yeah. They played three games. How many do you think he has this year? 22. Oh, that's close. 23. Oh. Hey. 23 tackles in three games Bro. and a half a sack. Yeah, um, and he's not a and he's not like a gap shooter or anything like that. He's just a dude that plays hard on the line. And he'll get off of a block. Heavy hands. Yep. yep. Heavy hands. Yep. He has the yeah, worst looking monster. body. I they I uh all his whole draft year they kept talking about like he looks like a guard. Like he has he he has this weird body that doesn't say defensive tackle, but 
um, <laughs> gets drafted in the third round, bro, and he is just making an absolute name as yeah. a guy that I, I don't think you'll hear one fan t- mention him or bring him up, but he is such a solid piece to any team he goes to. 6'3", 307. And here's another interesting stat about this year. He's played 81% of their defensive line snaps. There's nothing he can't do. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just out there all the time being a G. 5 two, 140, player. 42 bench press reps at the combine. <laughs> That's gross. That is gross. I got to look at his arm length. I bet his jumps were awful, though. Yeah, probably. I'm about to yeah. find that out. I think his broad was in like the eights or something. I swear to God. Draft oh, Scott's not working. Not pulling up. I got a bad link again. Here we go. Combine results. This ought to tell me. This is a new website. I haven't seen this one yet. I may have just made a discovery. Uh, they do not have his arm length, but his wingspan was 80 and a half. Uh, jumps were vertical leap, 32 inches. That's not terrible. Broad jump, 103. That's not terrible. But he ran a 5-2-140, hit 15.7 miles per hour. <laughs> wait, wait. So, yeah. So, his broad was in the eights. His broad was eight-something still. Yeah. That's not great. I mean, it could be 30, worse. 32 vertical, though. That's the 83rd yeah. percentile by defensive tackle. I just, so. I just remember, like, this dude is not the at, but, yeah, it's just an absolute baller. Yeah. He'll get off of blocks, heavy hands, and 42 bench press reps at 225 pounds. That pretty is, solid. Uh, that's pretty alien. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's not normal. So, yeah, I think this in summary, what you're looking for is a guy. First off, it doesn't matter what tech you play inside. Got it. And I think we talked about this a lot last week, too. Heavy hands. Get off of blocks. Knock those arms down. Get them out of the way. Uh, after that, don't just be a bull rusher. You know, especially if you're if you're supposed to be a penetrator. Do not just be a bull rusher. Be able to get off of blocks, be able to make something happen. And then the other thing, too, it seems like is we looked at guys that busted that had great length. We looked at guys that busted that didn't have great length. Overall, you got to be, you got to want to play football. You said in the tight end episode, nobody grows up wanting to play tight end. Well, I can almost guarantee it. Nobody grow, grows up thinking, oh, I'm going to be an NFL defensive tackle. You know what I'm saying? Because, or even uh, anywhere on the line, because that is tough. That is gritty. You're going after it every day. If you don't love the game, you're not going to make it. It's like going to fist fight somebody in a phone booth. That sounds like an awful time. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's a bad time. <laughs> no one. Yeah, hey, you're gonna have that. you're gonna have some pads on. By the way, you're just gonna but, have bloody knuckles by the time you're done with it. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be sore as shit. Your soldiers are probably gonna pop out. But good luck. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's. I think that's the interior, man. So I think so. I think at some point during the year. We'll wrap back around to offensive linemen. We'll hit tackles. We'll hit guards. We'll hit centers. There might be some slow weeks where it'll be easier to do that. Uh, and then eventually we're going to have to get into specialists too, which you and I probably know very minuscule about, which means I'm going to have to get some really good guests on here to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Educate us too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know I got a, I know I got a long snapper guy. I got a really good long snapper guy. So, I mean, just promise me we're not going to do a whole episode on long snappers because. I'll, I'll fall asleep, and so will our listeners. It's not that I don't respect. We'll them, try to. Just... We'll try to get. We'll try to get three guests on to wrap. Go through all the specialists in one episode. <laughs> okay. We'll try to do it that way. We'll try to do it that way. But anyways, okay. <laughs> <Let's move on. laughs> there, 
there's a little bit more to it than that and you know it yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. it there's a lot more to it but anyways that should wrap us up uh i think it's been a good episode make sure you follow him justin gamble at gam scout on x or twitter or whatever it is now whatever you still call it i still say twitter i think we all still say twitter there may be a few people that don't but they're probably nerds anyways uh you can follow me at draft Vogel, follow the show at sick pod nfl draft and shane i think that's a wrap and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time follow the sick podcast with draft Vogel on youtube instagram Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.